Hey, good morning. Welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. Hey, we're so glad that you are with us, whether you are listening to the audio feed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you are watching the video live stream on faithonhill.com, or you're watching the video at our Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com backslash faithonhill. Uh, Wherever, however you are joining us, welcome. We are glad that you are with us. In terms of housekeeping and letting you know things that are going on, um, we are basically, as of what will be for this video yesterday, the mask mandate has been lifted. And so what we as a church have always done is we have followed whatever the public health rules were. And so starting this Sunday, if you come to an in-person gathering at Faith on Hill, you do not have to wear a mask. Uh, Now, some people will still be wearing a mask and uh, nobody should feel bad whichever way that they choose. If you choose not to wear a mask, totally fine. If you choose to keep wearing a mask for a little bit, it's totally fine. we are going to keep wearing a mask personally just for the next two weeks because uh, during spring break, my grandma is flying out from the East Coast, and so we don't want to be the people to get grandma sick. So we're going to be taking precautions uh, just for personal reasons uh, until then. But what everybody's got to do what they feel comfortable with, and that's the, the big thing. Uh, and then in terms of other stuff going on, uh, we are just looking forward to this new season we're walking into. Hopefully, you know, here in this area, we really are turning a corner. At the same time, we recognize that there is not peace in our world, and uh, we have been actively praying for the peace of Ukraine. Uh, we have been praying for people uh, who we are connected with in the Ukraine, uh, that God would bring provision and protection and deliverance. Uh, one of the drawbacks of an online service is that we are a little bit limited in what we can talk about because if somebody's in a war zone, you don't want to start naming people or places. Uh, but if uh, you're with us in person, uh, Sunday mornings or in our small groups throughout the week, we are praying actively and directly for the peace of Ukraine. If you want more information about our small groups, you can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com. We're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be finishing chapter 7 today. So if you have a Bible, Open to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. So several weeks ago, we began the Sermon on the Mount. The Gospel of Matthew has five discourses or teachings of Jesus grouped into these five sections. The first one being the Sermon on the Mount from chapter 5 through to the end of chapter 7. And like we've said multiple times, but I think it's good to remind ourselves, Jesus began the sermon by going up on a hill. He is surrounded by a multitude of people, and he is teaching them. And he says, hey, here is the way to live in the supreme blessings of God, known as the Beatitudes. And and he lays out, hey, this is the way that will make for you to have like the, the life you were designed to have. But then he says, hey, if you think I can't live up to that. He's like, you're right. And he explains how no person can live up to the standards of God, but God has made a way through our Savior so that we can come before him and stand in Jesus's righteousness and not our own. And then he talks about if you're going to follow God and try to live in his truths, here's how you do so without living in hypocrisy. And part of not living in hypocrisy is what we talked about uh, the other week where he says, don't be judgmental. Don't judge other people. But we also talked about how it's not that God's saying it doesn't matter what you do, 
but that we aren't to be going around inspecting and judging other people's lives. We're to judge our own lives and be focused on our own personal surrender to God. Now, this last section, starting in verse 7 of chapter 7, Jesus wraps up this teaching, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The asking is speaking of prayer. But does every prayer that I pray get answered? Does every door that I knock on open? Does every question that I seek an answer for, do I get an answer back? The answer is no. Now, I, I, you can go with the truism that says, well, of course, every prayer gets answered. Sometimes the answer is no. But let's be honest. Sometimes the answer is silence. It's neither no nor yes. It's just silence. So what's Jesus talking about here? I think personally that this is talking first and foremost about salvation. That the person who seeks after God, the person who responds to the call of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit works calling people to Jesus, pointing them to the truth, convicting us of our sin, and the person who responds to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and then seeks and asks and knocks, that door will be open to them, that door of faith. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? I've never had my, my kids come and ask me for lunch, and I've said, no, I'm just... I'm going to give you rocks instead. I've never had my kids come to me and say, hey, I want dinner, and I'm going to give you something deadly instead of dinner. And, and that's an obvious answer. And Jesus says, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is saying is, I've, I've, I've been preaching this whole sermon. This, this is Jesus wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And I have shown you this is the way to live in the supreme blessing of God. And I have shown you the dangers and the pitfalls of trying to live in your own righteousness, trying to come before God in your own strength. I have shown you your desperate need for the forgiveness of God. I've shown you the... Uh, all the many, many ways that people live in false righteousness or hypocrisy. But if you go to God in, in sincerity and in, and in humbleness and you ask, he wants to give goodness to us. And as we receive the goodness of God, in response, we would do unto others what we would like done for ourselves. We want mercy from God, let's show mercy to other people. We want grace from God, let's show grace to other people. We want God to be generous to us in provision, let's be generous with what God gives us. And he says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few will find it. 
This is one of the reasons why I believe the ask and seek and knock is primarily about seeking God for forgiveness of our sins and salvation from the death and the judgment of this world. Jesus says that the gate is narrow, it's small, it's limited. Christianity is open to all who would believe. But there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is only one way that my sins are forgiven, and that is through Jesus' death and resurrection. There is only one way that I have new life, and that is the work of God's Spirit in my life. There is no other way. And contextually, if Jesus is saying, ask and seek and knock, and then he says, enter through that narrow gate, to me, that says it's talking about salvation. He says, watch out for false prophets. Verse 15, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and thus by your fruits you will recognize them. This is an interesting thought. While there is certainly... Uh, Americans who have engaged in Buddhism and Hinduism, Islam and Zoroastrianism and, and all of these different world religions. Other than Christianity, what are the most common false faiths? Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, and other what we might call Christian adjacent or, or people, like Jesus said, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They're masquerading as the church. There's been a discussion today on my own personal Facebook about what is the church. I posted something and I got a bunch of comments like, wait a minute, you know, and the, and the, the core of this discussion is what is the church? There is this institution, cultural establishment, a building called the church and then there's what the Bible calls the church, the, the called out ones, the family of God, the kingdom of heaven. I read a book last year, and the, the book was written by this guy, and he was pastoring in the Boston area. And a team of, of people were sent to Boston from his denomination's headquarters down in like South Carolina or something like that. And so they come up to Boston and they're so worried about the church. And they come and they say, the church in your neighborhood is declining. And he said, no, you're only basing it off of a building where white churches met. And then he walks them around the neighborhood and he says, there's a Haitian church over there that's thriving. And there is a... Um, a, a church of Ethiopians that meets in this, uh, it's not a church building, but on Sunday mornings they use it, and, and it's growing. And he points out that the church is not a building, and if you're just basing it on a building, then you're missing what the church really is. But Jesus warns against false leaders. He says, watch out for false prophets. Those who are out, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, they're out to devour and there certainly have been and are false leaders, false pastors, false churches, people who are out to get money, 
People who are out to get recognition, people who are out to build something for themselves, people who are out for power or to take advantage of people, all of that is true. Jesus says, not everyone, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, what day? Well, on the day of, on the day of judgment, on the day when Jesus comes, physically returns to the earth and begins to set his kingdom up here on this earth. And they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So he doesn't just warn about false prophets or false leaders. He warns about false followers, false believers. I'll tell you what, I've been hurt by the church. Somebody says, you know, you don't understand. Like, let me show you my scars. Let me show you the wounds I have received in the church. I get it. We talk about this a lot. I think I talk about it more on the 20-minute Bible study podcast, shameless plug. You just have to search Faith on Hill. It's the same place you get this feed. But I talk about it a bit there. I have a standing policy. Any person who has been wounded by the church, maybe grew up in a toxic church culture, an abusive church culture, and they say, hey, you know what? I, I just... It's like nobody will take responsibility. I have a standing policy. If somebody wants to come and just vent and tell me everything that the church has done wrong to them and then say, you don't get to defend yourself. You, as a pastor, just have to listen. I have a standing policy that I will do that. If I understand that's what's, that's what's being asked of me, I will do that. Because I think somebody from the church needs to hear and needs to listen, and there are real hurts and real victims and people who have been horribly hurt by the church. I just read yesterday about an incredibly well-known church, incredibly well-known pastor. And the hurt, the hurt that he's caused people, and it broke my heart, and I know it breaks the heart of God. And there are false, false leaders out there. There are false followers out there. But Jesus knows who are his, and Jesus knows the true believers Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these things, the crowd were amazed at his teachings. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. What Matthew is doing here is making a separation between following Jesus and being part of a religious organization. Between following Jesus and being part of the synagogue or the church. I believe that there are people who have gone to church their whole life. And on the day that they stand before God, Jesus will say, Go away from me, you evildoers. I do not know you. And they will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we go to church? Didn't we do these things? And he will say, I don't, I don't know you. Because they were among these false disciples. Where does this leave us? I believe that what this section of Scripture gives us is, is three things. It gives us an invitation to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, ask, seek, 
knock. He is inviting us to engage with him. He is inviting us to enter and he wants to give us good things. That's what he says. Hey, you, Adam, you are an evil man on your own. You, you're not good, but you know how to give good gifts to your kids. You know how to do something loving towards your family. You know how to, how to be nice at times, right? And if you who are evil know how to do that, how much more does God, who is only good, know how to give good gifts to his children? God wants to give good, and he is inviting us in to engage with him. He's inviting us to enter through the gate. Is it narrow? Yes. Will most people go the other way, the broad way, the easy way, the way that leads to destruction? Sadly, yes. But the invitation to enter through that narrow gate of Jesus Christ is there for any and all who would believe, old or young, rich or poor, white, black, Asian, doesn't matter. Oh, I was raised Jewish. Oh, I was raised Muslim. Oh, I was raised Catholic. Oh, I haven't been born in the church. Doesn't matter all who would believe. And he invites us. He says, you, if you hear these words of mine and you respond to them, then you're like somebody who has built your life on a solid rock. And the, the winds, the waves, the storms blow against it, but it stands firm because it has a firm foundation. There is an invitation for us to enter the kingdom of heaven and build our lives on this firm foundation of Jesus. But there is also a warning against deception. Yes, there are false leaders. There are false leaders, then they will lead people astray. There are false leaders who will point people to false saviors or who will say, you don't need to repent of your sins. God doesn't care. There are also false followers. Those who will not only give a pass, but give shelter and defense and support to these wolves in sheep's clothing. That, that they will defend. There's a well-known pastor in a well-known church in our state. And he had to step down because he was hurting and abusing people in his church. And I talked to somebody down there and they said, you know what? If he decided he wanted to come back, I think most people in his church would take him back. That's a scary thought. It's not just the false leaders, but the false followers. And we have to understand and recognize that just because I have gone to church, just because I pray, just because I, I've given something or I've done something or I went on a mission trip once or whatever, that those things do not save me. Those are just outward things. It's that internal work of Jesus in my life that saves me. It's not of any righteous work that I have done. It's according to God's mercies that I have been saved. That's in Titus chapter 3. So there's an invitation to the kingdom. There is a warning to the deception of a false kingdom, of, of tricks, of traps. Don't be deceived. There is one way to God. And how do I know? There's that benchmark of evaluation. There is a tension in the Bible, in the Christian faith. There is a tension. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching to this crowd that had gathered in the city of Jerusalem. He is proclaiming Jesus having risen from the dead. And he says, choose this day. In the book of Joshua, Joshua, who succeeded Moses as the leader of the people of Israel, said the same thing to the people. Choose this day 
who you will serve. There is throughout the Scripture, both Hebrew Scripture, the New Testament, there is a call to choose today, a moment of surrender, making your choice here and now to follow God. But there's also a a life full of faithfulness. Eugene Peterson called it a long obedience in the same direction. There are people who have moments of surrender, and I have seen people who break down weeping, who pray a prayer, who say, I want to become a Christian, and then never return. Never, never, nothing changes. It was an emotional experience at best. I don't know what happens there, to be quite honest. There is a tension between that call to surrender and that long life of faithfulness, that house built on a firm foundation. You know, somebody goes and they build a house and they say, look, I've built my house, that house of faith, I'm a Christian, but it's just built on a foundation of sand and boom, storm comes and it washes away. Versus somebody who just just seems to steadily and always continues to seek God. Jesus says in verse 16 that we'll know people by their fruit. I'm not, again, what did we talk about last week? I'm not looking to judge people. I can't see the inside of somebody's heart. But you know what? If somebody for like five years, 10 years, 20 years, lives a life that is hostile towards God, lives a life that shows to be false, you know, lives a life that after a while the hypocrisy will come out to the surface. Or they come on the day of judgment and they say, Lord, Lord, look at all these things I did and Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew them. I believe that in that moment of surrender, that moment that we said, Jesus, I give you my life, I believe our faith's valid. But I also believe in the tension that it's proven out over time. You know, who, Jesus actually told a parable. He said, there's two sons. And the father said to the two sons, hey, I've got a job for you out in the field. I want you to go do this thing. And the one says, nope, I'm not going to do it. And he leaves. And the other son says, yes, I'll do it. And the son who said, no, I'm not going to do it, has a change of heart. And he goes and he does the job the father wanted. But the son who said, yeah, I'll do that, went and just goofed off. So there's this show of obedience. And then there was repentance and actual obedience. That's the tension that we live in. I have surrendered my life to God. I need to keep surrendering my life to God. That's the invitation into the kingdom to live and to stay. I've entered the kingdom and now the invitation is, hey, I want to stay within the walls. I want to stay within, within, with the people. I want to stay where God is at. Is the church perfect? No. You know, sometimes I I think our church is is a church for people who are just kind of like, you know, God's kind of called together that ragtag band of misfits that, you know, you start every like uh, Dirty Dozen type movie with, right? Like, how are these guys going to come together? And yet God's, God's brought us together, and that's great. And I include myself in that category of ragtag band of misfits. I believe that we need to surrender our lives right now to God and to live in continual surrender. And I believe that's to wherever you're at, the full spectrum. 
Maybe you're watching this and you have never surrendered your life to God. And the invitation right now is to do so. To, to say, God, I want to enter through that gate. I've heard your voice calling to me and I am seeking and I'm trusting that you will open the door of faith to me. Maybe you have surrendered your life to God, but you know what? If you're honest, you're worried that you're one of those false believers, false disciples, and you say, want to say, Lord, show me the truth. Show me your truth within me. And maybe you're the person who has just been steadily believing in Jesus and you say, Lord, I want to continue to surrender to you because I want to stay on that firm foundation. Wherever you are at, I believe God meets us at that point. And so as we hear the words that Jesus gave us, we just need to respond to him wherever that is. In this moment, as I end, I'd invite you to begin by crying out to God. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you hear our prayers. And I pray for each and every person who has listened to your words from your scripture. Lord, I pray that anything I've said would be of use to you in your service. And that you would do your work in all of our hearts. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you this week in the small groups and in the podcast. And we'll be back next Sunday morning for our online service. If, if you are watching, uh, you're, you're, you're checking in with us online, uh, but you haven't really connected, I'd love to hear from you. My, my email is adam at faithonhill.com. Just love to know what's going on and, and how we can connect with you, uh, be in relationship with you, and serve you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.